0: everybody, welcome to episode 31 of The Masterclass. My name is Cam, this is Dave. Here we go. Dave, how's it going?
1: It's going great.
0: Yes. I'm trying to counter my tiredness with a really exuberant intro.
1: Yes. It was good. Was it? Yeah, woke me up. <sighs> All right.
0: Well, this is episode 31. We are here in Dave's basement. The, the similar walls and air conditioner greet me as they always do. Um, but this week, we have some follow-up, Dave. Yeah. From uh, longtime listener, first time emailer Justin, friend of the show and friend in real life too. So hi, Justin. Hi, Justin. I hope you're having fun at work while you listen to this. Oh yeah, maybe. Anyways, <laughs> Justin responded to uh, our discussion from last episode, and Dave, you had some thoughts. So I'm gonna let you go first, sir.
1: Uh, well, I guess the my my first thought was just appreciated uh, him giving us uh, feedback and just, uh, some different thoughts on things. Um, I guess the, the, the part that, that stood out to me was, um, just talking about time and, uh, time is potentially one of our most valuable, uh, commodities. And I, I guess one of the things that stood out to me is, is the statement that time is an equal commodity and even shared with us a uh, a link that had an article dealing with it and talking about time as a resource. You can't buy time, rent it, borrow it, store it, save it, renew it, or multiply it. All you can do is spend it, which I would agree with that. Um, the only thing I kind of disagree with, and I, I don't have a huge hang up on this, but it was, for whatever reason, it kind of stood up to me, is that I don't feel like time is an equal commodity. I think it is certainly um, like money in that um, some people have more than others and some have uh, more disposable time than others. Um, you know, I think uh, if you have an ability uh, to do something um, that plays into your time, I think about um, the, the, the many different uh, arenas where I. Either train people or teach people, or even my children at home, and that uh, some people can grasp a concept rather quickly, and others may take longer to learn something. Or I may be really good in math, or I'm better in this area, uh, or whatever. And in short, um, if I can learn something quicker than you, and uh, we're going through school and I continually pick up things faster than you, I'm a quicker learner. Um, I think kind of implicit in that is that you have the opportunity to potentially uh, earn more money than somebody that maybe not be as quick a learner, or uh, I'll say it, maybe just not quite as smart (laughs) as you are. And so in that sense, if I end up being somebody that uh, whether I'm smarter or for whatever reason, I end up having a job that I can pay people to do things for me. Uh, such as mow my yard, clean my house, fix my car, then the time that I don't spend doing those things now becomes, to, in a sense, disposable time uh, to me. Uh, the other example that I had mentioned to you was, you know, I think about uh, a single mom uh, with a lower socioeconomic status than I do, you know, that potentially may have uh, to work more than one job, uh, trying to go to school maybe depends on public transportation or something like that. Uh, to me, that person would not have the same amount of free time that I have. Um, so to say it's it's equal, I get the concept of that. But again, I think even from a financial standpoint, um, uh, you can't buy it, you can't rent it, you can't borrow it. but. I can certainly pay somebody else to do something instead of having to do it myself. Uh, The other thing, I guess, for me is that uh, time and how we manage time is very much a um, modern Western society in terms of how we do things. Um, Having adopted my son from Haiti and spending some time down there, um, time is not is measured as, uh, oh, closely, I guess, as it is here. Uh, and where we experience that would be is flying into the airport in Haiti. And it'd be like, okay, we're getting in at three o'clock on Saturday. And the guy who ran the orphanage, Bobby, would be like, okay, I'll be there to pick you up. Well, Bobby's definition of I'll be there to pick you up is, is you're not going to spend the night at the airport. I will be there someday, sometime on Saturday uh, to pick you up. Whereas for us, it's like, no, the plane landed at three o'clock. We want to see you at the carriage, the, the um, luggage carousel at 305 ready to help us load up and go. And um, time is just very different there. Um, it's very much uh, the sun comes up and everybody gets up and gets going. Uh, the sun goes down. They kind of slow down. Things kind of continue for an hour or two after dark. But then pretty shortly after dark, everybody goes to bed. And, um, so I don't know if I'm making any sense or not, but, uh, while I do think time is important and we should certainly, well, I probably should have gone more into this before I started my rambling that I do think we, I do think we should give sacrificially of our time. And, you know, we've discussed giving sacrificially of our finances. Uh, but I do think that we should be giving, um, sacrificially of our time as well um in short i don't think it's equal for everybody in that not every you know just because there's 24 hours in a day doesn't mean everybody has x number of hours of disposable time to use
0: yeah i hear what you're saying um we'll link to the uh Article. The article in the show notes so you guys can read it and get a better understanding of um, uh, where Justin was coming from. But this all stemmed from the question I asked last episode, how do you know who or what you follow? And Justin's response was, in thinking about this and reflecting on my own life, uh, I'm very challenged by it, particularly when it comes to how I spend my time. It can be argued time is our most v- valuable commodity. Time is an equal commodity, but not an unremovable one, which they've already mentioned, uh, you can spend money and make more money. You can spend time, but you never get it back. And so I read the article, and and I, like Dave, liked everything about it except for the whole equal opportunity part because, you know, of circumstances. However, I ever since I read this article today while I was at work, <clears throat> don't tell my boss, um, I've really been considering how I spend my time. And I have a job where most days of the week I have a lot of downtime. Because I work at a bank, and you've got your busy times and you've got your slow times, and we're a slower branch to begin with, and I only have so much work that needs to be done, and so I have a lot of spare time on my hands during the day, where I really don't have much to do. Now I spent a lot of that time recently reading, and I think that reading is a good use of time. It engages your brain, and and you know, right now I'm reading through the Game of Thrones books, so there's just a lot to take in. Considering that. Um, but then I began thinking about what I do in my spare time when I come home from work. And I'm not recording with Dave. And I'm not, you know, mowing my lawn or cleaning the house or spending time with my wife. All things. The first two that I have to get down, the third one that I enjoy doing because she's my wife. Um, that sounded really awkward. <laughs> <laughs> but that's also true. So, anyways, um, but the, the time where I have the ability to choose what I want to do. How well am I, um, using that time? And why do you have a smirk on your face? Oh, that's why you don't want to know. Anyways. Um, how well am I spending that, that as we've said before, disposable time in my life where I'm not required to be somewhere. I'm not, um, Spending time with my wife or with my friends. Um, you know, like last night, I chose to watch the Lions lose to the Seahawks in a most incredible fashion. And I think that's an okay thing to do because mm-hmm. you got to have recreation. But the amount of time that I spend doing nothing productive, I think that if I had like a, a calculator and I could add up all the time that I've wasted like even just within the last month, I think I'd want to like punch myself in the face. You know what I mean? And so with, you know, Justin's help here and in, in, in getting us to think about this whole idea of time as a, as a commodity and as a resource that we should use and not waste, um, I've really started to reconsider that today and, and how I want to use my time going forward. Um, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that I don't like my job. And I would rather spend that time doing something positive. And I've, you know, I, I've got a little project that I'm working on that that may never come to fruition. But if it does, would provide me the opportunity to use my time a whole lot more meaningfully. And I think that's definitely something that we need to consider as followers of Christ is how well are we using the time that he's given us? Are we, are we being selfish with it? Um, are we not giving our time sacrificially? Are we spending all of our spare time making ourselves feel good and self medicating? Are we spending time developing relationships? Are we spending time in scripture? Are we spending time with other believers? Are we spending time with our families being good husbands and good dads or good wives and good mothers or good brothers and sisters, good neighbors? All of these things are. It's all been flying through my mind today. Um, and so. I don't know. I was just really um, specific, or not. What I'm trying to say, I was really grateful for for that piece of the email. Um, and then Justin continues his thoughts this way: he says, "I can do a better job at giving money sacrificially and do it in a manner that teaches me to trust God greater." But it's really humbling to think about how much time I waste on meaningless things in a given day. It is truly an indicator of how selfish I am. Also, how often do we think about giving up our time sacrificially like we typically typically do with giving money? Most of us are usually willing. Uh, taking up their time. However, what about when it becomes inconvenient to us? Um, And he asked, what are our thoughts? And do we agree or disagree with any of us? And that's kind of what we just answered. I just read the question at the end because (laughs) we do everything backwards. Yeah. Like Yoda and Jeopardy. So, um, but he also had, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh,
1: No, I I guess uh, I feel kind of bad that I felt like I (laughs) I answered. I didn't give him, there's so much good in what he, his email and had some really great questions and brought up some really great points. And I feel like I kind of jumped on the one thing I didn't agree with and shouldn't have done that because, like you, this was certainly challenging and caused me to think about um, how I do spend my time and do I give sacrificially and that sort of a thing. And, um, you know, um, one of the ones that stands out to me is how often do I see something that I could do something about and I choose to not do anything? And that might be somebody that's like broken down on the side of a road or, you know, somebody having an issue with something, you know, just something, and I I kind of just choose to like look the other way. And that was real just convicting for me of I don't do it, for the very word he said, I don't want to be inconvenienced. And so I never had really kind of put the thought of being inconvenienced is kind of on that of giving of our time and being willing to give sacrificially of our time.
0: He had one last comment. And apparently at some point in the episode, I said self-loathing spiral of sadness. (laughs) <laughs> which how that was not the show title. I don't know. Um, but then Justin said, he had a thought, uh, this has to be a tactic of Satan. Often when I find myself here, I frequently turn to the wrong thing instead of to a God to appease it, which only continues to spiral. And I'm just glad I'm not the only one that does that. Like, mm. <laughs> I mean, as sad as it is that that is what people do. I think it's kind of to me reassuring that I'm not the only freak that does that. Yeah. Like, and part of it for me is also like shame like I choose to go to the wrong thing because I'm too shamed, too ashamed to go to God even mm-hmm. though I know I should. Yeah. And it's only like when you get to the point you're like, okay, this has to stop. That yeah. you're like willing to man up um and confront God about it, but I thought that was it was at least nice to know that I'm not the only one.
1: Yeah. And and I guess kind of my last thought on the 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 being the time, the usage of time would be Um, instead of, instead of saying, am I being productive or not productive? Am I glorifying God or not glorifying God would be what I'm going to say because way healthier, because sometimes taking a nap can be the most spiritual thing that you can do in a moment. I mean, if you need to take a nap, take a nap and glorify God in your nap, um, is, a 36 hour marathon of how I met your mother on Netflix, glorifying to God. Yeah,
0: but it's so funny.
1: <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> Self five. <laughs> <laughs> but again, um, my daughter did something similar to that before going off to, to her link year that she's doing. And she'd spent most of her summer being a nanny, uh, for two little kids. And, she, she's a very busy girl, very, very productive girl, even made a music video before she left with her friends. Oh, really? Yeah, we can put that on the show notes, too. Oh, sh-
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Caroline.
1: <laughs> oh, no, she's proud of it. Oh, yeah, she's.
0: What song was it, too?
1: Oh, it was a mix-up with a Taylor Swift song and something else, so. On second thought, we will not put that in the show notes. <laughs> it's actually pretty good, so. Um, <laughs> But I guess my point being is, is uh, if she'd asked me, would I have I said that that was the best use of her time? Probably not. But being an outsider, watching her and knowing what she has done with her time and all that kind of stuff, could she have spent more time with God? Probably. But did her sort of vegging for a day and a half serve its purpose? At that particular time, I think for her, it probably did. So, yeah.
0: All right. Well, thanks, Justin, for um, the very thoughtful and thought-provoking email. Um, We really appreciate the fact that you took the time to do that. Absolutely. Let us know. So thank you, sir. I'm sure we will talk soon. (laughs) So, Dave. Yes. If people wanted to uh, pull a Justin or a Jerome and get in contact with us, how might they do so?
1: You know, you always do this to me, and you think I would know by now. <laughs> what, that's, why, that's why I keep on doing <laughs> what the answer to all this is going to be. Fun to watch you squirm <laughs> because I'm like, oh, I don't know what do we for? <laughs> so, if you want to reach us on Twitter, you can go to at Masterclass FM and tweet uh, to the show. Uh, you can talk to Cam on Twitter at Cam Brennan. He can reach me at ten eight HBO. You can see our show notes at, and there's no like actual at sign. It's just masterclassfm.com. And then particular show notes, it's masterclassfm.com slash masterclass slash whichever particular show that you're wanting to hear about. And this one today would be 31. So, Um, and then I think you can email us too, which is uh, masterclassfm at gmail.com. Correct. So I think, is that all of them?
0: Uh, yes. We we are not on Snapchat or we have a Facebook page, but all it really ever does is just
1: post our episodes. Does it? I'm there, not even on Facebook anymore. There's it's no real need like get back on there.
0: There's no real conversation there.
1: Yes. But if you
0: want to like the page, I mean, that's cool. I guess it's not gonna do anything other than letting us know that you like it which is kind of this weird Facebook liking. And I don't know, I feel like retweets and favorites on Twitter are way more effective than a like on Facebook, but maybe that's just cause I'm really high on Twitter and really low on Facebook personal preference.
2: You're younger. Facebook is for old people
0: anymore. <laughs> I, I, well, yeah, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, sure. We don't need to talk about this right now. Um, <laughs> We're losing the show. Dave, why don't you
1: read the Bible for us? I can do that. Alright, we're at Matthew nine, fourteen through 17 Then the disciples of John came to him, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. No one puts a piece of unshrunk Cloth on an old garment, for the patch tears away from the garment, and a worse tear is made. Neither is new wine put into old wine skins. If it is, the skins burst and the wine is spilled, and the skins are destroyed. But so new, <laughs> but new wine is put into fresh wine skins, and so both are preserved. I'm sorry
0: for interrupting you reading the Word of God, Dave. It's all right. Do not smite me. <laughs> all right. So um, before we get into the the meat of the passage and, and what Jesus is getting at here, I think it would be wise to first establish exactly what fasting is in case our listeners um, do not have an encyclopedic knowledge of it.
1: Yes. Um, I will also say that we did talk about fasting in episode 17. So hopefully we don't. Contrad- I don't
0: know. That was so long ago. <laughs>
1: hopefully we don't contradict anything that we said. <laughs> we probably will. In episode 17. <laughs> so. Go back and check it out and make sure we aren't saying the same thing. or Anathema. Different. So
2: um,
1: fasting is um, abstaining from something, uh, particularly abstaining from food. Uh, I think I did mention in, in episode 17, uh, one of the reasons that we, bre- we eat breakfast is the two words that are in breakfast. You are breaking a fast. Basically, you have not eaten all night while you were sleeping, and so your first meal of the day is to break the fast. Is breakfast
0: really that important?
1: Yes, it is important. Oh well, okay. <laughs> it's, I, most, it's the most important meal of the day. I don't, I don't eat breakfast. You should eat breakfast. But <laughs> clearly, I don't. <laughs> but see, I think that's part of the problem. You gotta, you gotta fuel the fire. You gotta. Get the metabolism get going. Get the metabolism going with a good meal in the morning. But so that means I have to get up earlier, Dave. And then when and you I eat... have to be at work at 9.45. <laughs> it's so early. And then when you eat later in the day, your body goes, oh, no, we haven't eaten.
0: Yeah, and I and fall so... asleep at my desk. Okay. <laughs> then I shall have bacon in the morning.
1: <laughs> High protein is good for you in the morning. Bacon and eggs. Bacon and eggs. That's going to tomorrow. That is a good... Actually, a good way to start.
0: All right. So, anyways, breakfast is breaking our fast. I'm yeah, sorry. and
1: so fasting is is going without without food. Um, when we started the the Sermon on the Mount, or before the Sermon on the Mount, we did talked about Jesus going into the wilderness and fasting for forty days. Yeah, that and, was
0: episode number one.
1: And so basically, um, he uh, he did not eat for forty days. Uh, generally, you would drink water during a fast, but you might include uh, fruit juices or something like that uh, while you're fasting, it's really kind of up to you to decide uh, what it is that you want to completely fast from. Um, but food is usually the normal thing that we think of, and you obviously would not fast from water during a fast
0: <laughs> Okay, so you determine what you're but why are you fasting like, uh, the, the idea of not eating food sounds terrible to a lot of people yes so. There's obviously a reason why Jesus did it, why John's disciples and the Pharisees are doing it, and why they're annoyed that Jesus' disciples aren't. Mm-hmm. So now that we've established that fasting is, you know, removing something,
1: namely mm-hmm. food, what is the purpose of that? Um, the purpose of it would be to deny our physical self something and ideally replace that with... uh a spiritual dependency, and so um, as Jesus was, li- was fasting for 40 days in, in the desert, um, the idea there is he is denying himself food, and he's focusing on God, and he's allowing God to be his nourishment, and um, this is one of those things that, like, I think once upon a time, I believe that was something you sort of said. It was kind of this metaphorical of I am allowing God to sustain me by not eating food. Not <laughs>
0: really, it's the Cheetos I'm sneaking in. <laughs>
1: um, but um, I, I'm believing more and more that there's a food that we know not of in terms of coming into fasting and God really sustaining our physical being uh, by being in presence, His presence. But ultimately, we deny ourselves a physical... Uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with eating. There's nothing evil about eating. The, the human body is designed uh, to run on, you know, uh, eating throughout the day, uh, whether that be three meals or two meals or seven meals, whatever it is that you're used to.
0: Don't pick on the Italians, Dave. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, but but again, just it's denying ourselves something physical to focus on the spiritual and God meeting us in that uh, kind of an outward sign of being able to say, I'm going to give this up for you.
0: Well, and Jesus even alludes, you mentioned there, that food that we don't know of, and mm-hmm. Jesus in, in John 6 calls himself the bread of life. Yeah. And he's, I mean, he's not being um, sarcastic or clever when he says, like, no, really, Right. I am the, like I can, I have the ability to sustain you beyond what physical food can. Mm -hmm. And then isn't there a time when he goes to the woman at the well and he tells her like, I, I, I have, uh, the water of everlasting life or that you you don't know about. Yeah. If
1: you drink the water that I gave you, you would never be thirsty again. And she's like, Oh Lord, give that to me now. (laughs) Yeah. And so
0: go tell your husband, I don't have one. Oh, you spoken wisely.
1: So, yeah, and like I said, I, I, at one time I used to think, oh, that's kind of a cute little metaphor, clever little thing. But um, And I'm not near in, in the habit of fasting like I was when I worked at the church. But I do believe that God can fill you in a way that you're like, oh, I didn't expect that. There's a supernatural filling that goes on there that is truly him. Showing up and, and then sometimes you're just hungry. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you're like, gosh, all I want to do is eat. And it's really hard to focus on God. Cause you're like, I can't wait till this fast is over and I can finally eat whatever I want and pig out. And so,
0: okay. So that, that's what fasting is. That's why we would do it in like the abstract, but what are some reasons people might consider fasting as the appropriate thing to do? Um,
1: If you are trying to overcome an addiction or a sin, I believe fasting can be a a useful tool in that Um, um, breaking uh, breaking a bond that maybe an addiction has over you. Um, Fasting can be a spiritual discipline uh, in conjunction with um, prayer and meditation and things like that that can help you overcome addiction.
0: I find that interesting because I feel like a lack of food would make you weaker.
1: I, and I'm In not which, saying this is like, Hey, fast for 24 hours. and, and You're it's, never going to. Yeah. But I think there's a God. I just think there's a lot of things that go on with that. I think it's, there's something physical that's going on with that. I think there's a demonstrating to God. I'm willing to, um, do more. You know, I want to, I want to, I want to, um, a physical, expression of my commitment and my request of you to help me break this um, bond that sin has over my life. Um, And then I think uh, fasting can be good and is useful for um, an answer for prayer. If you have a very specific uh, sort of, um, you know, God, I'm wondering if I should do X or I should do Y or, you know, What is it that you're? um, We can. I think you can get some clarity by using fasting as a part of your prayer time. And so, fasting can be a. I choose to fast over lunch. I'm going to eat breakfast. I'm going to eat dinner, but I'm going to take my lunch break that I would normally go eat, and I would. I'm going to spend an hour praying. And obviously, that fasting would be from the time between you have breakfast and you have dinner. Um, but the time when I'd normally be putting the food in my body, I'm going to go to the Word and ask God to, to fill me through his word. Um, I think the first time you do a fast, you should do it something like that. Um, another option would be to, you know, eat um, breakfast, lunch, choose not to eat uh, dinner, and then breakfast the next morning, and then finish it with a uh, eating lunch the next day. I would not encourage somebody to try to just do the first time they fast to just do a 24 hours or three day or a 40 day. Uh, I think it is, I think it is a spiritual exercise and I think you kind of build your spiritual muscles by that, by skipping one meal and then skipping two meals. And then I guess ultimately when you get to the point of skipping three meals, that's where you're at a 24 hour um, doing that. And then the other thing can be, um, you know, I'm going to fast for my normal, Gluttonous large meals that I eat, and you may do things like I'm gonna eat, um, I'm gonna eat fruit, I'm gonna drink fruit juice, or you know, those sorts of things to kind of be like, um, I'm gonna sustain myself with a little bit of something, but I'm not gonna go for that sort of, um, meat and
0: potatoes type of meal. Meat and
1: potatoes were, you know, for us, it's like if I'm not uncomfortable, then I can't, I haven't, you know. (laughs) I haven't eaten so much that I need to loosen the button on my pants. I haven't really (laughs) eaten a proper meal sort of thing. So, yeah, I think there's definitely different. It's something you want to ease into and then build that spiritual discipline and go for longer times. And certainly a three-day fast can have um, some serious spiritual implications for folks. And then uh, I've never even come close to trying it, but I'm not saying that somebody might not feel like God is asking them to do a 40-day fast. Um, If you were to do something like that, you might want to consult your doctor. You might want to get uh, some input from somebody that knows what's going to go on with your body as you do that, so that uh, you do it properly. Yeah, that's... Like I said, I've never done it. I haven't never felt God asking me to do it now. Yeah, Maybe have you guys will. noticed
0: how Dave's talked this whole time about fasting, and I've not said a peep? <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why that is. <laughs> I always try and like do something for Lent, just because. And I think the longest I've made it is like eight days, and then I'm like, at lunch drinking a pop. Look what you give me for Lent, pop! Oh come on! Like I just totally forget. <laughs> You know, so anyways, that's, that's obviously different than, than what a fast is. Yeah. Similar in, in, I think, uh, desire or concept, but different in execution. All right. So that is a, I think a very, um, well done description of what fasting is, why we would do it and how we might do it. Um, so thank you for that, Dave.
1: And I will just say that, and I know we've talked about this in, Episode Seventeen, but Richard Foster's uh, celebration—is that right? Celebration, yeah, celebration of the dis- Yep. So celebration we'll put that, of the disciplines. Celebration of the disciplines. We'll put that on the show notes mm-hmm. too, because that's a good, good, good book for for all sorts of but all stuff. sorts of spiritual prayer disciplines. and yeah.
0: study and solitude and and fasting and yeah. all that stuff. Yeah, that's a and there's very good book.
1: Disciplines of Omission is that right? And then like where you you you. Yeah. Like fasting is, is a discipline of omission. You, you're right. Solitude, you're Yeah, you and then be, there's and then stuff that you do. Stuff that you do.
0: Kind of uh, like sins. Yeah. Mm, but no. the good but the good side. <laughs> All right. So why is it important we're gonna we're gonna focus on the, the passage at hand here now. Why is it important to note that the Pharisees and John's disciples are fasting, but Jesus's disciples do not? Because that's the whole Instigation of this passage, they come to him. And they're like, "What's going on? Mm-hmm. How come we're doing this and your guys aren't?"
1: Yeah. Um, I had never really noticed the John's disciples. I caught that the second time I read
0: it. The first time I glanced, I was like,
1: "Oh, Pharisees, them. Yeah, we don't, we don't like them." Yeah, yeah. The
0: second time I caught John's and,
1: disciples, and I hadn't ever really um spent much time on that, and. Um, I, you know, I don't know that I have really have a, in any insight in this. So if, if you have something, I'll defer to you in terms of if there's something that you're looking at.
0: Well, no, my, I mean, my initial thought is that, you know, uh, the Pharisees obviously think that they know how things should be done. That's clear. So I think it's obvious that like, we're fasting why are you not fasting? Like, we're doing it right. Why are you not doing it? Which is the easy mm-hmm. thing here, but you throw in John's disciples, and John's the one that said, I'm just making the way for the guy whose sandals I'm not even fit to tie. Right. And he, you know, when Jesus comes to get baptized, John says, you should be the one baptizing me, you know, not the other way around. And so John, at least based on the, on the, the story and the history we have, gets that Jesus is the guy. So it's interesting to me that his disciples are fasting and want to know why Jesus's aren't. So even somebody who gets it better than probably everybody else on the planet, who Jesus really is still doesn't quite understand who Jesus is.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And so, um, I think it's important to note that both his disciples and the Pharisees are confused about why Jesus Jesus's disciples are not fasting. I totally lost my train of thought just trying to pronounce that tongue twister there at the end. Um, <laughs> let me start over. I think it is important to note those things about who's fasting and who isn't, because it shows that even John didn't fully comprehend who Jesus was at that time. Yeah. Because even later, or no, it was previous to this, wasn't it, where he sent his disciples be like, "Uh, are you really the guy? (laughs) And Jesus is like the, you know, the blind are healed, the sick are cured, you know, sends yada like, he rattles off a list. Um, And so I think it's important for
2: us to try and nowadays be oh, what's what I'm looking for? Be humble enough and be hungry enough to try and
0: seek what's really going on. not just to look at what church leaders are doing and church leaders are saying, and follow their lead without. Coming back to Jesus. And that seems like a really weird application, and maybe I'm wrong here, but the disciples were doing what Jesus called them to do, and they were with Jesus, and these other religious leaders were doing what they thought was correct, but they were totally missing the reality that was in front of them. They were doing things the way that used to be done. Mm -hmm. But Jesus says, Uh, Where is it in um, verse 15? Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? No, because you're at the wedding reception and you're having fun. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's almost like Jesus has this little private party going on that these other people are busy mourning like, oh, the Messiah hasn't come. We need to fast to be closer to God. And Jesus is like, why are you? I'm right here fast later when I'm gone you've got a direct connection to me right now physically. You can shake my hand. You can kiss my cheek. I can wash your feet. Save the fasting for when you don't have that connection. Um, so it just reminded me that, that even religious leaders that are getting it wrong, like the Pharisees and the religious leaders that are literally leading the way for Jesus, like in John, can still not quite fully comprehend what God is doing in their presence. Yeah. And so to me, it's just a reminder that Jesus is gone now physically. Mm -hmm. And so that, that fasting might be a way for us to get through the cloud of what people are saying, what denominations are doing, what famous church leaders are saying and saying we should do and the whole politics and religion thing, just get through all of that crap to find Jesus. Mm
2: Mm-hmm. That make any sense? Yeah. Okay. That
0: was improv.
1: <laughs> yeah, and you know, I I think he chooses the wedding, like you said, the wedding guest, which uh, Jesus is the bridegroom who we're talking about here. In case you hadn't picked up on that, and the wedding guest would be his disciples at that particular time. And I'm not going to pretend to understand everything that goes on at a Jewish wedding. Um, But I think you're correct in that um, the idea is not just him being with them, but what is that atmosphere when a wedding is going on? And it's not just about you know, it's not just about being somber and serious. It's, oh, it's, a, no, celebration. it's a celebration and it's um, uh, having a good time. So
2: yeah, so I think that's good.
0: All right, Dave, mm-hmm. can you, sure. A wise one, <laughs> master Jedi. No. <laughs> no, I'm picturing you with <laughs> a ponytail and a lightsaber and it's epic. <laughs> I wish I had Photoshop. (laughs) Anyways, uh, can you explain the two metaphors
1: that are in verses 16 and 17? Um, I can say what I've kind of arrived at with those in that um, I think this is a, um, the one metaphor being an unshrunk cloth on an old garment. And then old wine and new wineskins. New wine and old wineskins. Thank skins. you. Because, <laughs> yeah, I guess old wine and new wineskins, you'd be good to go. It wouldn't burst. What's right. old wine? <laughs> Who wants to drink old wine? Is old wine better than new wine? If it's sealed in... <laughs> wineskins? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it, to, to me, this is kind of like, he's basically saying this is a game changer. Um. The way your way, your old way of thinking is no longer valid here. And you need to get on board with the fact that things have changed and that, um, there are new wineskins, um, that, uh, the old way of doing things is no longer valid. And you need to think about, uh, the new way of doing things. And I think simply the new way of doing things in this particular is that, um, the Bridegroom is Jesus. Jesus is God, the Messiah, and he is present with them. The kingdom of heaven is there with them. They really need to live as though the kingdom of heaven is present with them and new and not be so focused on the old way of doing things. And there's nothing, you know, there's nothing wrong with... Um, you know, this is one of those times where he doesn't make a comment of, oh, you have little faith or, you know, any of that kind of thing. Um, he kind of gives them this, okay, so we've got the wedding guest here. This is a time of celebration. And the old way of doing things doesn't apply at this point. It's the new way of doing things. And um, I, I honestly think that there continues to be um, New ways of doing things. And I don't think that should ever just be a, um, just for the triviality or the novelty of doing something new that nobody's ever done before. But I do think there are um, times where um, God may reveal to somebody or a group of people a sort of, this is the new way of thinking, this is the new way of doing things. And ultimately, what I guess I mean by that is that cultures change, people change, and while God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, I do believe that God very much meets us where we are, and um, no, I don't want to come across as like there's new revelations of the Bible or anything like that, but... um I do think we can get a little too caught up in, well, this is the way we've always done things and this is the way it should always be, which is a
0: terrible reason to do anything. Exactly. This is how we've always done it. So pet peeve. Yeah. Well, I will say that your response there totally changed how I read this passage.
1: <laughs> I hate it when you say that. Cause then I'm like, Oh crud. What did I mean? No, It just,
0: it just means that you're wiser than I am, which is I'm okay with Dave.
1: Yeah. But I'm not so sure that's always the case. You don't sometimes it might be, I'll say maybe every now Thank and then. Thank you. Gosh.
0: <laughs> no. Cause when I read that, I was like, well, yeah, it makes sense. You don't put untrunk cloth on old garments. Cause it is going to rip. I don't own a wine skin. So I don't, I'm just going to take his word on it for mm-hmm. this one. But when you said that this is a game changer and, and he is the new way of doing things, I was just like, well, that makes so much sense. <laughs> Why is he going to attach himself to the old way of doing things? Right. He's going to start fresh, which is what he's been doing this entire uh, book so far since we started at uh, the temptation that we mentioned earlier in the fast, and mm-hmm. the Sermon on the Mount. You've heard it said this, but I say to you this. Right. He's, he's changing how things are done and are perceived and how people understand their place in the kingdom of God. And so reading it that way, I was just like, oh, well, Duh. They're not doing it the old fashioned way. They're not because they don't need to right now because he's there. Mm -hmm. And so anyways, I, I honestly am like looking at this. I'm like, how did I used to read that? Because Dave's way makes so much more sense. (laughs) I think I was just kind of like, yeah, I get it. You don't, you don't put, you got to shrink the cloth first. And Jesus is like, I ain't going to be shrunk. You know, (laughs) I'm sure that's exactly how he sounded too. Um, But yeah, I just think it's it's interesting that, that Jesus, like you said, doesn't take the, oh, you a little faith, or you whitewashed tombs, or you brood of vipers. He's just kind of like, this is how it's going to be from now on. And I can't imagine the Pharisees appreciated that. Because they were very much built upon the old way of doing things. And he was constantly cutting them off at the pass.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, I just...
2: I really wish I could have been there. You know. Cuz it would have been a very imagine someone doing that today.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know what I
2: mean?
1: Well, I think so.
0: Like someone, you know, a pastor coming up in in America who's just consistently cutting off tradition and long-held sacred cows at the pass. But doing so biblically, Mm -hmm. not doing so um, unbiblically like so many have tried to do. Mm -hmm. I just, I wonder how
2: that would go down.
1: And I'm sure there are people that are trying, but it just would be interesting to see. I, you know, maybe opening a can of worms here a little bit, but. Is it Pope Francis? Is that our current? I think he's doing that a little bit. I think he's he is stirring the pot. No, he can do that because he doesn't have to answer to <laughs> you know. There's <laughs>
0: he has to answer to God. Dave. He
1: has to answer to God. And but if the he feels like
0: that will kill him, if he does.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but I think he's done that a little bit with the church in terms of you know challenging people to. Um, you know, obviously homosexuality has been an issue that he's addressed. Uh, The global warming is something that he has addressed that has traditionally been.
0: Well, and he's even addressed the uh, sexual abuse that's gone on in the Catholic church. Like people before him were just kind of like not talking about it. And he's like, Oh no, no, no. Uh, As far as, far as I I'm aware, he's, he's come out and said that we will handle this and it will be,
2: you know, dealt with. Mm-hmm.
0: So, so yeah, I, everyone seems to like him.
1: Yeah. And I, I think one of the reasons that people like him is I think he spends time with God. I, I know that sounds like a probably insane thing to say, but, um, n- n- nothing against previous popes. Cause I haven't paid a lot of attention to, I like Pope John Paul. He came to he New Orleans. two popes ago, right? Uh, at least two popes ago. Yeah. Two popes ago.
0: Cause the one in the middle is the one that abdicated his spot, yeah. Which we can abdicate your marriage, but you can't abdicate the Pope,
1: <laughs> right?
0: No, that's not abdicating, that's uh, That's um, uh, it's not divorce, it's oh my gosh,
2: a null, a null. There we go, it's been a it never happened, anyways. Um. So yeah, I you know, um I I I do think that
1: even in the twenty-first century, we can get caught up in this is how we've always done things and that's the way it should be. And when we say that's how we've always done things, we mean, well, that's how we've done it for the last forty years. That's what we've done it for the last fifty years, maybe a hundred years or something like that. When no that's a relatively new, even in of itself, but you think that's that's what you've known, so that's what you do. And anyway, that's kind of getting on a tangent. But um, I I I think that um, both collectively as the body of Christ and as individual believers, we need to be receptive to Him um, revealing to us things that may be different than what we've always believed or what we've always done. And again, not for the novelty of it, not to just, you know, I think that's one of the problems with academia is anytime you want to write a paper, you got to have this new idea that nobody's ever thought of. And so you get these wild, crazy... There's
0: only so many chords you can
1: play <laughs> Exactly. And so, um, but in a sense we serve an infinite God. And so I do believe that there are things that he can, um show us that, hey, it's a little bit different than the way it used to be. And I think yeah. it, it's, it's in the, in the vein of, you know, uh, if I'm going to be a missionary to a different culture, we all readily accept that, okay, there's things that I might have to do differently to go minister to somebody that has lived differently than I have lived. Um, but the reality is, is America's different than it was 60 years ago. And so... Um, think of yourself as, okay, I'm a 1960 Christian coming to 2015 Christian. I'm guessing there's some things that you would have to change about how you did things to be an effective missionary to a 21st century Christian in the same way that you would accept changes to go mission, be a mission to somebody that lives in the Congo. And I think as Christians, we have a hard time accepting that and dealing with change and saying that Um, even though we serve a God that's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, the world that we minister in is a little bit different and we may have to change a little bit. So. Agreed. Yes. God may be the same, but the world is not. Nope. All right. Well, any, any closing thoughts, David? Um, do I have any closing thoughts? Um, I know the last time we visited fasting, I was like, I really need to do this again. (laughs) And 14 episodes later, I don't, I haven't really fasted. So, I don't know, make a commitment to
2: getting back to doing that practice. I don't think I ever have. Really? Yeah. I think it's good,
1: so...
0: You think it's good that I've never fasted?
1: No, I think it's good to fast. (laughs) (laughs) All
0: right, duly noted. Well, I think that brings us to the end of episode 31, Dave. And again, it
1: has gone by very quickly, so.
0: It was fun, though. It was fun. Sitting here in your basement, (laughs) shooting the breeze, talking about the Bible. Yes. All right, well, until next time. Until
2: next time. Arrivederci. (laughs) Bye.